Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Kevin Graham. Welcome back to the studio Kevin, how are you? I'm absolutely superb You're on, superb. on this Monday afternoon. What a difference a couple of decent performances and results make Kevin. We're going to be talking about the impact of Tommy Rogic, um, the Wizard of Oz. A guy who, you know, we kind of mentioned early, early doors in the season. Get him in, get Griffiths in. And uh, the response we were getting around about that time is, get over them, guys. They're finished. They're done. And look at where we are now. No, know that uh, Neil Lennon or Celtic make any uh, point in watching this show or taking our opinions into consideration. But Tom Rogic now, you're looking at him, you think, well, you can't drop him. That's four assists. Is it four assists in two games, mm-hmm. Tommy Rogic? Incredible. I know. I was one of the guys who was sitting here during the summer, sitting in that chair there. Um, I've moved chairs. Um, You've been promoted. I've been promoted. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Saying that I would take the four million for him, 
uh, you look at his stats and you do look at your st- his stats, the number of games that he's played in the last two seasons mm. are extremely low. And when you were looking at the number of bodies that we had in the middle of the park, you were going, well, we could probably lose Tam for the number of games that he gives us. Unfortunately, the performances haven't been too great. The creativity hasn't been too great. And the big fella, the two games against Aberdeen, he's been... He does what he does. He plays for the moment. He plays in moments. He'll maybe not, you'll maybe not see him for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of a game, but then he'll do something that makes you remember him. And that's the type of player that he is. He's, he's no like your Ryan Christie. You know, Christie's all energy and he's a bundle and it's just like a blur with Christie. Uh, Big Tam just seems to pick his moments. And when he, when he decides to do something, he does it well, he, re- he really does and he's, he's got a fantastic vision fantastic touch and I'm sitting here hoping that I'm, I'm sitting here feeling foolish that I say in the summer we should have took the £4 million for him mm. uh, he didn't want to lose a player like that he's, we say it quite often on this, on, this, on this show that some players are born to play for Celtic and he is a Celtic player yeah, we've, we've mentioned quite a lot who we would have liked to have seen in the hoops uh, now Tommy Roderick, I think Going back to a point you made there and um, building on that point, Kevin, I think he's a type of player who can do things that no one else on the pitch can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ryan Christie's uh, energy is unbelievable. His work rate's incredible. His creativity he is one of the most creative players in the team. He plays risk, risky passes. Um, he tries risky shots. Sometimes it ends up in Rosette. Other times, like yesterday, you see a goal that it's just a shame we weren't actually there to see it in person because that is one of the greatest goals that Celtic have ever scored at Hamden. It is. It's, the change of camera angle at Hamden as well when they put the cameras in the north stand showed us that goal far better mm. uh, than what, what we would usually have seen it on the TV. Celtic's play, our whole system is based upon the front four being utterly fantastic on the day. If our front four click on the day, then we're great. And you, and you look at, you've got Tam, you, yesterday you had Christy, Rogic and um, Moy. All of them like playing early balls, all of them will play risky balls. Mm-hmm. Um, they play with a speed that Scottish teams can't really handle. And you, then you fire Edward. Back into the back into that mix, him linking up with three intelligent players behind him will put the frighteners. I think even Derek McInnes admitted that that seeing Edward back there put the frighteners up them because of what he can do. There was a moment in the second half when Edward pulled the ball out of the sky and in, in the box, and he took out about three players when, mm. when he when he trapped the ball. Mm-hmm. That's the talent. You, you look at Ella Hussey as well. I thought you were going to call him Moy. Moy, we'll call him Moy for now on, right? We're going to call him Moy. Look at Moy yesterday. His first time passes all came off with Edward there. Mm-hmm. His best game that he had previous to that was when he worked well with IA. It's because I think sometimes it looks like he's having a poor game because uh, Moy tries things. Mm-hmm. Ellen Hussey tries things as well. Um, Roddick, Rock, Rock. Big Tam, he tries things as well. Christy tries things. And if those four break down, then we look untidy and we lose the ball. We look shapeless at times as well. But 
our system relies on individuality and it relies on those four players up up the top having the games of their life or other great games. And yesterday, the first half especially, they were fantastic. But when you look at the first half, let's let's look at the second half as well. We managed that game. We managed that game out yesterday. Mm -hmm. Something we never done at Pataudry, something we never done in Lille. We managed the game and I was more pleased that we managed that game out. We started having niggly fouls when our legs went because of our European exertions. We just grinded the game into the the dirt and we were extremely comfortable with Duffy and we've been Duffy's biggest critic as well. He would, he he would, do you remember the the Chris Tarrant TV show on a Sunday night when he would show you things from Japanese telly? Do you remember it? It used to be 10, o- 10 o'clock on a, on, a, on a Sunday night. And they would show you guys getting paving slabs getting dropped on their heads as part of a Japanese game I wonder where this is going, mate. Well, that's what Shane Duffy is. He would heed her a paid, paving slab if it was if it was thrown into the box. He, that's a, that game yesterday suited him. And another a, a beat on as well. Apart from that one mistake where he knew when he was short on the pass back, uh, short on the, the pass back, mm-hmm. beat on was fantastic yesterday as well. So was Duffy. We need to give them credit. You had a look at Duffy yesterday, and you could actually hear him shouting on the pitch. You could see him talk. Him and Bain were having an argument for about five minutes about something, and you can see them. You can see he's talking. You can see his worth. Yes, he has got limitations, he has got limitations, but yesterday was a game that he loved. It, uh, was, a, it was a game that suited him, and I've got to give, give the management the, the management team credit for the way that we managed that game out, because our legs had went after about 65 minutes. Mm. I mean, Aberdeen have had a week, a week to prepare for that. You notice in the first 15 minutes of the second half, for me, we tried to kill the game. We tried to get that third goal. Because we knew we were going to drop in performance the longer the game went on. Now, you, you made a few points. Uh, eagle-eyed viewers will have seen that I was uh, giving you a close-up on my choice of beverage for today. It's just that when you criticise somebody in the world of Celtic, people look for excuses to, to criticise you back. And I was even accused, Kevin, of drinking alcohol on this show, which is ridiculous. I barely touch alcohol and that just is fizzy water. So that is fizzy water. Um, so I just thought I'd uh, show the viewers that. But what I would say, Kevin, going on um, some of your points that you've you've raised there, I actually said that when we looked at the lineup against Aberdeen yesterday, you've got that bank of Christel Yunusi, um, and in front, obviously Edward as well, and Tommy Rogic. And then if you think that's bad enough in terms of creative flair, you've then got Lax Salt and Frimpong uh, coming down the, the wings at you as well. That's a frightening, that's a frightening prospect for any team. Now, I think it would be remiss of us um, just to dive right into the, you know, the performance yesterday because it was, you know, that that performance, particularly in the first half, in the first 60 minutes against Lille, is a, a huge improvement on what we had seen up to and include, including the Aberdeen 3-3 game. So in terms of a reaction, I don't think it was... Uh, as is. I don't think Celtic have approached it as is. I don't think Neil Lennon has either. I think there's been a reaction. And what we've now seen as a team who, for me, are, I think they're brimming in confidence. I think that that sometimes comes with Neil Lennon and Neil Lennon's teams by being criticised. I think um, there's a siege mentality kicks in. 
and uh, they've come back out fighting. We've seen, we've seen and heard it in Neil Lennon's interviews, haven't we? And I think we've seen it in the performances. You can. We were in here last Monday, and we got quite a lot of criticism for what we says on the Sunday and the Monday. And I fully stand by what we says at that point. Well, what I says, um, I know you'll probably stand by what you says as well. Because, um, but I fully stand by what I what I says. But I can have two points of view. I can I, two of them can marry up. The my my feeling that's the beginning and the end is not going to change. But that doesn't mean to say I don't want Neil Lennon to do well. Neil Lennon does well. Celtic do well. Yep. And there was nobody more. Um, I was very extremely pleased when Lennon came out on the Tuesday in that press conference he had, he had, it looked like he had a bonfire in his eyes it looked like somebody had set him alight again and I'm, I'm not taking any credit for that um, but when you saw the way that he spoke at that, that press conference you were really really hoping it was going to channel through to the team and he had got I mean we all say if it known the way that Neil Lennon works, hypothetically, we all say Neil Lennon works better when when he's got that siege mentality. When he's the underdog. When he's when he thinks he's been wronged or he's been his team's been slighted, that's when he works better. And even the whole whole of this week, his interviews have been great. I was listening to him yesterday before the game, and even the language he was using, even the, the spirit in his voice was far better than a week ago. Yep. It was far better than a week ago. And I'll argue with anybody who's, who says that wasn't the case. You saw him on that bench at Patodre, looking like the world had ended. Defeated. He looked ah. defeated, Kev. And last, last, last week at Patodre, what I actually says was, I actually felt the same. I didn't say the result was the same. I says I felt the same as I did that night when I left Love Street under the 4 the four nothing because I couldn't see how we were going to turn this round. But the reason you're having to clarify that is because people jump on your words mm. and they create their own their their own um, reference to what you've said, Kevin. And we've seen that, I which I think's a bit kind of perverse. I mean, for somebody to come out yesterday and um, ask if I'm all right, first thing in your mind when we've just qualified for a Scottish Cup final, right, which could lead to a quadruple treble, and the first thing in your mind is I better go on social media to try and wind up me. I think that's pathetic. That is pathetic. First thing I would do is I would be talking about the, the positive uh, performances that Celtic have had against a fantastic side um, on Thursday night, which, I, you know, I think that performance and that result, Kevin, will get better with age. I think we'll look back on that and think, wow, did we actually draw two each with Lille? Did we actually go 2 nothing up against see, that see, side? See, for me, I was extremely disappointed at the final hustle mm. that we had threw away another game for a winning position. Mm-hmm. Even though, when you look back on the Aberdeen game the previous week, there was positives in that setting half. We got ourselves in front. When you look at that Lille game, 2 nothing up, what a fantastic first half performance. Then, we threw it away in the second half. And any positives that I took out of those games were tempered by the fact was, we had six points at one point during both of these games, and we've only ended up with two. So any positives were weighed down by the fact is we didn't win any of the games. And sometimes winning can increase that mentality. Yeah, you've lost two course. leads, Kevin. You've lost, you're, I mean, you're lost two You're leads looking at that in a balanced way. Uh-huh. That's just factual, you know. And so from all, all our superb attacking play yesterday, 
that's why I was more pleased with the clean sheet and the fact is we saw the game you managed out. it absolutely we, we, we game managed it out because there will be games that we need to do that and we need to give the the the, the team praise when, when they do that we rely on individuals being motivated individuals playing well and it's the manager it's it's there to do that he didn't look like he could do it last week this week he looks like he can do it I'm going to pick up on your point we rely on individuals we do but we also rely on individuals to be playing and that's been a big issue this season through injury and also through through illness now the injury side of thing you've you know you've got Julian and Forrest two guys who would be on the team sheet most weeks I would guess mm-hmm. Kevin uh, first picks for Neil Lennon big big players for Celtic you know in big games and uh, massive losses to Celtic but also when we look at the COVID situation and, and obviously there's been breaking news in the last hour that um, Rangers have suspended George Edmondson and Jordan Jones after they've breached COVID regulations by attending a private party and both must now isolate for 14 days so there's there's been things that Celtic have had to deal with that no uh, our challengers haven't had to deal with and obviously uh, that will come home to roost eventually as will the injuries and I think that Celtic are better equipped to deal with um, a number of injuries than any other side due to the depth of our squad. That takes us back to the original point of Tommy Rogic because <laughs> earlier on in the in the campaign, you know, we had said, well, there's two jerseys there, Lee Griffiths and Tom Rogic. The forgotten men, I think we called them. These are two guys that can trip they can contribute. And there was a lot of Celtic fans who were of the view, Kevin, that had Tommy Rogic gone to Qatar for four million quid they were thinking, oh, well, you know, that's going to maybe finance a deal for Shane Duffy or, or whoever it may have been that was coming in. We're now looking at Tom Rogic as being pivotal. And I think when you look at last season and the turnaround after the Rangers' defeat at Celtic Park, Kevin, a big part of that, I think, was, um, you know, Eduard needed backup. He needed somebody to come in and help him out. And what happened is we got a revitalised Lee Griffiths coming back, didn't we? And we changed the style we played with two up front. There was a partnership development. And that gave us the spark that we needed last season. Now, it's a lot earlier in the season now, albeit we're into November now, Kevin. But I think Tommy Rogic, something like that can give us the spark required at the same time as everything else that's happening, uh, the, the so-called mutiny in the camp that Lennon says doesn't exist. And who are we to argue with that? If Neil Lennon comes out and says that is not the case, you've got to believe him, Kevin. Of course, you. you've got to believe them, and that there is a a message coming out of Celtic, really, you know, through the, the players and through management, that we're all in this together and we're all uh, backing each other up. I think Scott Brown said, you know, we've got his back, he's got our back. The thing that, is, that's refreshing to hear that. The but, thing is, though, Paul, you you are, you are saying that we've got to back the manager, but then the managers also came out mm. and says there's players wanting to leave. I know, and I know. That's what created that, it. Everything that we listed last week is fact. Yeah. So for them to come out and say there's no mutiny in the camp, well, we're only going by his comments after the Ferenc Varos game. Hopefully that means you. Hopefully that means Lennon, Neil Lennon sorted it. You've resolved it. You've resolved it. There's been a meeting. You've done whatever you have to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I says after the St Johnson game that the mentality of this Celtic team is unbelievable. And again, I think we've seen that over the last couple of the, the last two games anyway against Lille and Aberdeen, and that's all we can talk about. But if you would have asked me last Monday, and you, and you did ask me last Monday, if you could have seen those two results coming, I would. I, I did say no. I was because, concerned, Kevin. Because I was concerned. of the 
it was just the whole vibe, the whole feeling. The passive nature of the, the performances. And yeah. that changed when Neil Lennon turned up to that press conference on the Tuesday. That's, it, when, that's when I started looking at it differently. Do you think it's changed for the long term, Kevin? I hope so. Yeah. I want it to change for the long term. Mm-hmm. I, 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 of course I want it to change for the long term. I do not want Celtic Football Club and Neil Lennon not to be successful, just to prove the, the, my bizarre feeling right. No, know what I mean eh? that's, there, there's if, no, if you want that then there's something up with you no I know I know that but to be accused of that is rather bemusing bemusing because you know people go on about clickbait and you've got to understand Kevin that if 10 people watch us or if 10,000 people watch us it makes absolutely no difference because we don't work to that regime we don't work to the clickbait regime we're here and the reason we have a different uh, guest on the show every single day is to get a broad view of the Celtic support. So if you've got you every Monday, Lawrence on a Tuesday and so forth, and then various guests for match day, you're going to get a wide variety of views. It's not all about my view or your view. And you and I disagree on many things on the show, which is mm-hmm. fine. That's healthy. And obviously Lawrence and I like to have a disagreement now and again as well. But that's what it's all about, isn't it? It is. And I mean, we've got to look at it. We want Neil Lennon to be successful. And whatever happened between the Sunday and the Tuesday when he came out with that when he came out in that press conference must have lit that fire once again. Mm. And I, I started thinking about it after that press conference and I'm going, has he been told obviously we maybe expected something to happen on the Monday because, I'd just say, the whole week that we had beat off AC Milan, beat off Rangers, thrown away a lead at Aberdeen. Nothing happened. So I started, I began to think that, well, Lenny, Neil Lennon has a full backing of the board. He must have. They must trust him to see this through. And, I, and when you saw that press conference on the Tuesday, uh, you saw a man rejuvenated. There was something born again within him on that Tuesday. Then you saw him on the Thursday again and, and he was he was taking it back at the press. Yesterday he took it back at the press as well. Mm-hmm. Took it back at everybody. The way that he was talking, there's, there's an energy, there's a passion back in him. If that energy, if he's got that energy and passion back himself, and it's maybe he was just worn down by the circumstances you've mentioned, Julian, the, the whole COVID thing, the whole break, ball and the, ball, the whole thing. If he's got that passion and energy back, that should rub off on the players. I think it will. Because that's what Neil Lennon does. No, I think it will rub off on the players. And I was speaking to a coach during the week who has this theory around how a team plays as the the manager portrays himself. And, you know, there was a lacklustre kind of nature to some of the performances, Kevin, leading up to the results not going well. Because people know that throughout a season you grind out results without playing well. Uh, it's often said that that's how a champion's... Uh, I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh yeah, love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92%? Because of a bike? 
not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. A team win a league because, you know, they, they know how to win ugly and all of these things, and you take that into consideration, but, you know, if the criticism, some would say over-the-top criticism, has got to a point where it has sparked and rejuvenated Neil Lennon, then fantastic. I, I'm delighted, because all I want is for Celtic to win and keep winning. And I'm going to ask you a question all about that. Now that I was almost reluctant to talk about the potential final, Kevin, we knew that Hearts were in it before the game against Aberdeen but I was reluctant to talk about that was that due to the fact that we'd spent all week being called entitled and spoiled and panty wetters and all these other terms that people are diving onto just because uh, Celtic have set standards that you want them to maintain Kevin these are standards that have been set by the club and the team that, that we're watching at the moment and you just want to maintain them if you are happy that the standards are not maintained then as far as I'm concerned there's something wrong with you you want to maintain that level at all times now, we're all realistic enough to know that you can't possibly win a treble year in, year out. How, however, we're almost four seasons of complete domestic dominance um, behind us. And obviously, we're one game away from that historic, monumental accolade. When you look ahead to that, that's when you start thinking to yourself, you know what? Surely it's impossible to do a treble treble. Surely it's impossible to do an invincible treble or a quadruple treble. And then you look at this season and you look at the strength of our squad and if it is reinvigorated and we go on a run, a winning run, which I think we will, surely it's impossible to, to win five in a row. Quintuple, is it? Um, and then I started thinking, well, realistically, what can we expect from this season? What would I be satisfied with? And that's a big question because I've spoken to a lot of Celtic fans. Jim Moore on Friday, disinterested in many ways in the European campaign this season. And he explained why. Not because he's entitled or spoiled or any of these things, Kevin. Just because he is focusing on other matters uh, with Celtic. Uh, and I've had a lot of people saying that about Europe. And I think my big thing about Europe this season, Kevin, is if you want to get a winning run and you want to get that momentum, the European games come into that. Mm-hmm. And I think we've probably seen it last week. After the Aberdeen game, you wanted a performance, you wanted some momentum, the feel-good factor. And I think we started getting that against Lille, carried on yesterday against Aberdeen. And I think that was my point in respect to the European games. You don't want to take the foot off the gas for Europe, you know, you want to keep that going. So that that's one view. You can park the Europa League this season, you can park this tournament. Ten in a row is everything, is another view. But there's another view, which is the quadruple treble is everything. And I, I was thinking about this all morning and I'm thinking, well, realistically, what I would like for this season, I'm not going to say win it all, I've said that before, I'd love Celtic to win everything, but realistically, if we can wrap up the quadruple treble before the turn of the year, Kevin, and what a year it's been, you know, and win 10 in a row, I, I would be satisfied with that. And I never want Celtic to, to lose any games. I know that they do and they, and they will in the future. But that's the two things I think this season, if we come through this season with everything that's happened and we manage to get 10 in a row and we manage to get the quadruple treble, I'll be satisfied with that. I think that's utopia. I think that would be a, a utopian end 
to this season um, and possibly the whole generation of dominance. For me, I was thinking about this yesterday, and if it ends with a fourth treble in a row, I think I'll be more than happy. I think we've seen dominance, domestic dominance that we've never seen before. Mm. Unlikely to see again. Domestic dominance um, when faced with, um, what could you say, a, a rival which is heavily backed in the Scottish press. And in many other ways. And in many other ways as well. And to do four trebles in a row for me is fantastic. We've done a we done a podcast with Erin Boyle for the Cano Foundation. Probably about a year ago. Probably about a year ago it would yep. be yeah. And I actually says at that point I was more impressed with the fact that we're now well, we're now thirty five games on un- <laughs> cup games unbeaten. Kevin, that's like good. not only unbeaten, thirty five wins. Uh-huh. So that none of them went to replay, did they? No. So that's like going through a whole league campaign almost and winning every game. Mm-hmm. So not just an invincible no. league campaign, but winning every game. That That's the equivalent of that. The it's last quite team, incredible. Somebody might correct me on this. The last team at Betters in 90 minutes in a cup tie was Ross County in the semi-final of the League Cup in January 2016. And Vanessa Cali beat us after that. Did they? Didn't they? Under Ronnie. Am I getting my seasons mixed up there? Did we not get to two semi-finals in Ronnie's last season? Beat on penalties and Effie Ambrose got sent off against Ross County. In the rain. In the rain or was that the season before? Somebody, Some, somebody, someone online will be able to check because this is all that. from memory. This is an old-fashioned way that we deal with that. But, but No check Google. But for me, if we got four trebles in a row I know, and it I know. ends, I'll be like, but Kevin, if it ends, if it, no, and it will be. And it will be, these but players, if it ends... These players have created history. Yeah. If it ends, people are going to go, I'm disappointed. Then six months down the line, I'll go, by the way, I really enjoyed the last four years. Would it take that shine off, though? Just the way it's happened with the quadruple not being wrapped up last season, not being wrapped up at all, but you know what I mean? It's been carried on to this season. I think the shine would be taken off with that because there is such an importance, not only with the prestige and the historical relevance of 10 in a row. But during these difficult times, I think there's a huge financial implication to not winning that. Not only to Celtic, but against Celtic, because the onus goes on to your greatest rivals. And I think that that's an important thing. So the shine of the quadruple treble is incredible and monumental uh, you know, a success, as that would be, should we wrap it up. And I think we will wrap that up. I think the shine would be taking off that if we didn't go forward and win 10 in a row. I see it as two different things. I do see it as two different things. I see it as, as on the 20th of December trying to make history. Trying to make history which will stand alone in its own right forevermore. Now just to confirm, that game will be shown on a terrestrial channel. It won't be on Premier because that yesterday was dreadful. Uh, it's on the BBC and Premier. Kept buffering. Kept buffering. I think a lot of people had the same issues. First half kept buffering. But um, I Kevin... Watched, I watched it on Australian TV. Oh, did you? <laughs> it was a real deal and it didn't work properly. Um, but going back to yesterday's performance, let's have a wee chat. Let's have a look through the team. Um, how much of 
Uh, El Yunusi's change and improvement in form is down to Laxo. I'm not taking any credit away from him. I just think they're a good partnership doing that left. Diego Laxo, man. He he's just own, He just owns that left-hand side. He's, he's he is the left-hand side. I, I, he, I'm not being disparaging. He's kind of long-legged and the, the legs just come out of nowhere. It's, it's as tele, if... Telescopic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's frightening. He's got everything that you want in a fullback. Mm-hmm. He's a modern-day fullback. He's solid, Kevin. We, 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 we worry about Fringpong on the other side that he can't really defend. No, let's give Fringpong his due in Lille. He defended extremely 100%. well. 100%. He did. But Laxalt can go forward. He can defend. He's a hardy soul. He puts a bit in. He's skillful. He's I mean, skillful. He can, he can, he yep. can get himself out of tight situations with, with the ball. Mm. Can hardly speak a word of English, and as Neil Neil Lennon says, I don't really need to give him too many instructions because he can just play. He is a phenomenal football player. It's a different level, Kevin, isn't it? And he? how no club in Italy didn't they take a chance on him after what he had done with Genoa and sitting on the bench at AC Milan? I think we are extremely lucky to have him, and I'm going to enjoy every single minute he plays in a Celtic jersey this season. Two things about Laxalt. I'd never heard of him until Stevie Ray came on the Axon Bulletin and he was bigging him up several months, I think, probably, before Celtic signed him. And then a friend of mine, Marco Ciccarella, who's a big Celtic fan, uh, obviously Italian as well, and um, you know he sent me a message going on about how you know incredible a signing. He was surprised Celtic got him. Going back to what you said there, there, was, there should have been other clubs in Italy looking at this guy. Um, a brilliant fit at this time. Now, Greg Taylor is, you know, I'm not going to say he's been thrown in the scrap heap. Greg Taylor for me is a left back, Kevin, who was being asked to play in a role that he was unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. He didn't get much criticism from me um, because every time you seen him in the final third, you, you took into account the fact that he is far more used to be spending most of his game time on the back foot, defending. And then for 70 or 80% of his game, he's, he's up front almost in a, in a left wing position. But he is obviously the second choice at the moment. And, um, you know, Laxalt is probably the first name on the team sheet. But I do think that El Yunusi, another player who I've championed throughout his tenure at Celtic, I think he's benefiting from having that quality behind him. And, and I think we'll probably now we'll see El Yunusi occupying that area of the field far more often because there was the discussion about what's his best position. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And I know... Um, you know, he's just been uh, called up again uh, for the international games. So uh, he plays in the centre, I believe, um, when he's playing international football. But I think we've found his best position as a result of the performances of Luxor. Now, you mentioned Frimpong. And again, I think the performance we've seen on Thursday night was far more disciplined than what we had encountered against Aberdeen on the Sunday. So there were so many times where Frimpong's done the overlap, which... I think it's his natural, instinctive game. Take on players, go for a maze. And then, some of them, I think Lon's made a good point actually on Sunday, sometimes he's maybe a step ahead of players so when he's looking up, there actually mm-hmm. isn't the ball on and it's all about just putting it into space and then it's the striker's job to get into that space. But what we've seen against Lille was a far more disciplined performance from, from Frimpong. 
Now this then takes me on to Duffy uh, and the criticism. I, I, to be honest, I, I don't think I have. Crit- I've been criticised for not criticising them enough, bizarrely enough. I think Duffy brings a lot to that defence in terms of the leadership and the organisational ability. I think I've seen a lot of that with Ayer. You put in a player like Beaton, where Duffy doesn't really need to manage or lead him because of the experience of the boy. And we've probably seen one of Duffy's most accomplished performances yesterday. Definitely. I mean, what I like about Duffy is how many times did the ball the ball break in the box yesterday? It wasn't it wasn't too often, but any time Aberdeen managed to get a ball away in the box, there was a Celtic player blocking it. It was a Celtic player throwing their body in front of it, whether it was beat on or Duffy. And you, you see, yesterday was Duffy's type of game. What Aberdeen? What, how the Aberdeen attack? They get the ball out wide and the and the fire and cross balls. That's 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 food and drink to somebody like Duffy. You look at Beaton as well. Beaton can uh, read the game. Now both of them have got issues as centre halves. Both of them have got faults as centre halves. The lack of pace with both of them is one. Mm. The lack of concentration with Beaton, I think, or his lackadaisical style is another thing. And Duffy takes him a wee while to turn, and I'm not saying that in a bad way because we've all seen it now. With Duffy, on on what you have to maybe give him a a bit of slack because he had hardly played football for eight months and knew he's been into a cycle of playing three games uh, three games in eight days, mm-hmm. including internationals since he's came back. So mentally and physically, he's trying to adjust to that. He's also trying to mentally and physically, uh, m- more mentally adjust to playing for Celtic because. Uh, because it means so much to him on a personal so level. Yes, his body, mentally and physically, must be all over the shop because of the number of games that he's played and the and the mental pressure that he'll be putting himself under. I don't know. One of the viewers will probably actually say this, but I don't think the Republic of Ireland have got any internationals in this international break. That would be a relief. So, if that's the case, that's a relief for us. Get Duffy can have a couple of days rest, relaxation, and get his mental focus back. Mm-hmm. But that game yesterday would have done him the world of good. I there, think so. There was there was a point ye- yesterday where the Aberdeen player actually kicked him and got a free kick in, uh, in the second half, and he chased the referee. I'm going and, to ask you about the refereeing actually. Just and, and, he, and he chased the referee. Going, mm. what's that? What what are you doing? And as I says earlier in the conversation, as well, you could hear him. You could actually hear him shouting. Yeah. And he was constantly talking and constantly being there, putting himself on the line. And I think that's what maybe we wanted from him. And I don't... uh, Our expectations of Shane Duffy were extremely high because of the the protracted transfer. Mm -hmm. We we thought that we were going to get Maldini, the Hulk, and Bobo Baldi all merged into one. And what did we get? We got a rusty centre half. Isn't that what we got in Laxalt? Aye. <laughs> some of them worked, some of them didn't. Some of them are just completely different types of players. Completely different mentalities, completely different body shape, completely different fitness levels. I mean, Laxalt could... I didn't think Laxalt had a... a as involved game last, last Sunday at Pataudry. I thought you saw him looking a bit leggy. 
I thought he'd, maybe the adrenaline had wore off him, and now he was final f- third game and third game in eight days since I've signed. I can't speak a word of English here. I'm up at Aberdeen. Where's this wind coming from? I'm mm-hmm. frozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, but then when you saw him against Leo, that was a phenomenal performance against Leo. Then you saw him yesterday as well. Again, I just I thought he was quieter yesterday, but. I would maybe expect that. I would have expected that because there is going to be a drop mm. because he's not used to playing the, the this cycle of games that we're in. And you're talking about the European ties as well. We need the European ties to keep momentum because we're playing one Euro, European tie a week. If we get three hefty defeats in the European ties, then that does nothing for the momentum. No, You can't just write them off. So you've got to look for the positives in every single one mm-hmm. because of the way that the... European calendar's been squashed. So the game against the Prague on Thursday night is an important game. Mm-hmm. We need a good performance, a good result to take into going to Fur Park on, on the Sunday. Yeah. So we just can't write off the European games. Aye, we can maybe not be 100% disappointed if we don't qualify from the group, but we need performances. Mm-hmm. We need players to turn up and show, and we need to carry on what we've seen in the last two games. We just can't write it off. You're right, because it's all about momentum, Kevin. Now, we've spoken a lot about Tommy Rogic, um, and when we're, we're looking at uh, his performance, I mean, the, the two the two goals. So the movement of Ryan Christie, if you look at the movement, it actually runs around the back of Tommy. It's just brilliant. And Rogic knows you know, instinctively where Christie wants the ball. Um, the, the finish was sublime I mean we've seen a brilliant finish by El Yanusi the other night and that was another fantastic finish by Christie and then the second goal that dink the chip the cross by Rogic you know again you're just glad it landed to him because it was inch perfect and I know El Yanusi had a decision to make because it was uh, the upright uh, and colliding with that which he did and, and fair play to him and I'm glad he got a goal I, I really am glad he got a goal because again he looked a bit short in confidence, actually, and then, you know, he's performed well against Lille, very well, indeed, and then he's got his goal against Aberdeen. It then begs the question, when we're going into the game on Thursday, as we'll be t- talking about that in a few moments, Kevin, um, how we line up uh, against uh, Prague, as you you know, you, you mentioned that game on Thursday night, the games are coming thick and fast. You've got Griffiths, who come, comes into the game, you've got Ayeti, who comes into the game. Now, Ayeti, there was an incident, you mentioned a uh, uh, an incident with Duffy uh, which left you quite bemused about the refereeing decision I think there was another one with a Yeti where he was basically hooked mm-hmm. and um, you know nothing nothing was doing um, is because of the fine margins we're, we're currently sitting you know as, as we keep getting reminded we're currently currently sitting nine points behind Rangers in the league two games in hand and plenty of games to, to play I hope because no, no one knows about what, what's going to happen in terms of the lockdown, Kevin. It's a big fear for everybody. Now, you're looking at the margins. I've already said I want to win the quadruple treble. I just think it's one of these things that will never happen again, not even in my, you know, beyond my lifetime. I just don't think it'll ever happen again. That level of dominance will never be seen again. Now, the 10 in a row, I don't, I don't mind if we win it by a goal. I really don't mind if we win it. But the margins are going to be that thin, potentially. Kevin, potentially, and we know that they've not been hit with injuries or illness and and other factors. Obviously, the breaking news that I spoke about earlier is beginning maybe to bring home to them that it's not all going to be sweetness and light. You're not always going to have access to 
the majority of your, your best players every week. So it could come down to really, really fine margins. Does that concern you when you see some of the incompetence that you we've seen served up by the officials so far? It does worry me um, because officials can have an effect on the game. Um, we've seen quite a few refereeing performances where they just seem to want to break up the rhythm of the game. And let's go back to uh, uh, let's go back to Willie Colm. I mean, I think Willie Collins gave four penalty kicks mm-hmm. in the last two games that that he that he's officiated um, Celtic Aberdeen uh, Hibs Hearts. And he missed two penalty kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's there is a problem. I'd never heard of that referee yesterday. I, I'd never heard of him. What was his name? Robertson. Was it Guy Robertson? I'd never heard of him. And there is a there, there is a problem with the standard of refereeing in Scottish football. And the standard of refereeing is absolutely shocking in Scottish football. And when you miss things like your centre forward getting right hooked, when you give free kicks for an Aberdeen player booting the centre half then falling down, mm-hmm. it just makes you wonder sometimes what they actually see. Um, where, where does it go? I'm very, very loathed to say that there's any sort of unconscious bias in play here. I just think it's unconscious uh, incompetence be the officials and... This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The, the people who appoint these officials. I mean, how, how many, when you've got the referee and you had four, four lines people yesterday because there was a two behind the goals as well, and none of them saw a punch. No, no. Meaning, I'm sorry. Mean. So, do do you not? I mean, I take on board what you say about incompetence because you know we had a whole podcast about that earlier on this season, unconscious bias or incompetence. Do you accept that there will be unconscious bias? I mean, you're looking at a country where the majority, the vast majority, of football people are either involved with Celtic or Rangers, and they will be brought up within that household, Kevin, of being a Celtic or a Rangers fan. So I I do think there is unconscious bias, and I do think it exists within Scottish refereeing. I think unconscious bias exists in every refereeing in every country in the world, and it usually favours big clubs. And I do wonder if that will change because there's no crowds. But I do accept the point that there will be unconscious bias mm. by the referees, as well as incompetence. As, as well as when you mix the two of them together, it's like a hellish cocktail that you wouldn't want to drink. No, absolutely. But I, I do. It does concern me, Kevin, because I think it could get. You know, the margins could be so fine 
I keep getting reminded, yeah, but you seen what happened last season, your Rangers season fell off the edge of a cliff. That doesn't make that doesn't mean to say it's going to happen again. I do believe that Celtic have turned a corner. You, you, and I do believe that we're going to go on a run. But your challengers, just because it happened last season to them, doesn't you know, it doesn't mean it's going to happen again. We we could be in a situation, let's say the the, the league is called early after twenty odd games. And the margins could be so fine. We could be talking a goal. We could be talking a draw, a point. It could be anything. And that, that this is where my concern comes in. And that's where the officiating needs to be, you know, absolutely spotless. As spotless as officiating can be. Officiating in Scotland has never been spotless. Never will be. Never has been and never will be. Um, we have to... We, we just have to make sure that it doesn't affect us. We need to make sure that it doesn't affect us. But then, you look at Frank Pong. How many times does he get fouled? Edward, uh, Edward uh, against Edward. Dundee United. How many know? times do teams try to kick our decent players off the park? Mm-hmm. And they get away with it until... The Dundee United game's a perfect example. When did, they, when did Andrew Dallas start booting guys the last 10 minutes? 87 minutes. The... Dundee United big centre half should have been sent off. Yep, twice. In, in, in the first St. Half. Johnson. St. Johnson as well. Davidson. Aye. Two sending off offences before he got a booking. Mind you, any time I watch Murray Davidson, I always think he should get sent off anyway. He's a clubber. He is. He's he, a hammer I, thrower. I've never seen any games, and not just games against us, I've watched them in other games mm. as well. And you go, how do you stay on a park for 90 minutes? Now, Kevin, we've spoken for about 45 minutes and we haven't even introduced any of those watching on the social media channel. So we will be going over to you guys very, very shortly. Before we do so, a couple of more things I want to bring up. First of all, the Celtic women's team, 10 nothing against Hearts, leading the way. Now, women's football, Kevin, it's one of the things, I mean, a 10 nothing victory against Hearts, it was nothing each after 24 minutes. And would it not be great if we were able to go to those games as part of your season ticket when we were able to go back to watch football. Would it not be great to get involved and actually enjoy that side of Celtic as well? Of course it would. It would be great. And that maybe not maybe part of their plan when I'm doing up Barrafield. I hope building, so. When they're building a wee training mm. stadium at Barrafield. I think that could be part of, part of promoting the women's game within the, the wider Celtic support. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a great... You know, for me, the, the way that that is progressing and developing and growing is brilliant and we should embrace it. So as part of your season ticket, it'd be great to go and watch those games. I also think it would be great as part of a something I spoke to you beforehand. We've all bought the season tickets this season, Kevin. And, you know, it's a monumental season. Next season, we, we're still in the, in the dark as to what's going to be happening in terms of uh, lockdowns, the pandemic, you know, a vaccine for this virus. But next season, I would guess that it's going to be far more difficult for a club like Celtic to expect 54,000 season ticket holders to renew their season tickets. Now, there'll be people out there screaming that, you know, they'll do it blindly forevermore and great. And I, I totally respect everybody, but not everybody's going to be in that position, Kevin. So what we were talking about before we came on was and I hate the, the, the cliche of thinking out the box, but a different way of approaching a package for Celtic supporters so that we're not just focusing on the 54,000, if you like, and trying to extract five 600 quid from each of those people, but throwing it out worldwide and creating a package which is more based on uh, content, live content. You know, you would bring in women, yeah, the women's football into that as well. Um, but 
something that you're paying for that's not going to cost you five or six hundred pounds, but you're going to expand it worldwide and sell it to a much wider audience. And so you might be asking for a hundred quid and looking for an audience maybe that's ten times more than your season ticket base globally. But it would all come down to media and how smart you are with the media and the content creation, wouldn't it? So you'd be buying a pass or you'd be an investor. And I know we've had things in the past. Was it the Worldwide Huddle, the Huddle Club, all these different things that have happened in the past, Kevin. And I think they did try to create a register, didn't they, of Celtic supporters around the world at one time. And I know that the the mailing list that the club has is two and a half million strong globally. So it's really looking beyond this season. And what do we do? Is there a package that's going to be in place where you say, well, I know I can't go to the games, but maybe I can be an investor, not just a season ticket holder, um, and get the same package as somebody in Australia or New Zealand or Canada. You know, and you would also maybe get discounts and various other opportunities as part of that. Do you think clubs like Celtic are, are looking at opportunities if we go into another season with no no crowds in stadiums? Celtic see themselves as a worldwide club, a worldwide brand, and it, it would be remiss of them not to think like that, not to have a look at what Man United have got, what Liverpool have got. You've got the Irish diaspora, who do give us a worldwide support and the Scottish diaspora which do give us a worldwide support funnily enough on Saturday night I started watching the, the Leeds United documentary mm-hmm. Bring, was it Bring Us Back Home and it's narrated by Russell Crowe is that right? Uh, now Russell Crowe is a Leeds United fan mm. and romper stomper <laughs> I was thinking Gladiator. When I think of Russell... Tony Cor- Curran was in Gladiator. Was he? I'm sure he was. Big Celtic fan, so a big shout out to Tony. I'm sure he was. Um, anyway, I watched five minutes of it, mainly because I was falling asleep, but then I got annoyed with Russell Crowe saying Leeds United, to get Leeds United back into the Premier League would awake their worldwide support. And I was like, that's a myth. I've never been anywhere in the world and I've found a Leeds United supporters club. No, and this some Leeds United fans might want to come on and sling me, but this seems to be with clubs we've got a worldwide fan base when they have not really. It seems I, to be a thing where if you're an English Premier League club, you get it by got, proxy. We've got a yeah. worldwide fan base, yeah. right? I'm sure there's folk who are really interested in Marco Beasley, and will probably have a Leeds United top and watch their games now mm-hmm. because Beasley's there. As soon as Beasley disappears, they disappear. They haven't got a worldwide fan base. They've got eyes that will watch them for a period. Mm-hmm. Celtic have got a worldwide fan base. That's without argument. And some it's something that the club maybe haven't done very, very well. They seem very um, focused on Glasgow and the surrounding areas. The season tickets. The season tickets yeah. in the Glasgow area. And obviously the, the massive amounts of Irish coming over. Yes. Every week for the for the games as well. No, but we have got, the, the wee rumour is that when the fans are allowed back in the stadium, if it's this year, it's only going to be G postcodes. Mm-hmm. Unless they're that'll, that'll be out of the, 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 the football authority's but, hands, uh, won't it? Uh, maybe it will, I don't know. Yeah. Unless it's hospitality. Mm-hmm. What, what does that say to guys like me and you, Paul? I, I've spent £600 on a season ticket. We were called a pair of tutors the other week. That's fine. I, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm, I can sleep well with that. I thought that was further been, up north. No? I've been called worse. I, I've been called I've been called a fifer. 
So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not biting. No, no. So guys like me, the uh, mother, uh, other fifty odd guys, uh, guys and women uh, go up on my Celtic supporters bus. We're possibly looking at a season getting shut out this season. Yeah. And we've spent, I've spent £600 on two season tickets for me and my daughter. And for the first time ever, my, my wife Denise went like that to me, I'm really annoyed that Celtic are not even contacting you to say what's happening. To say, their blanket line seems to be, um, we thought you'd be back in the stadium, Bina. Mm-hmm. No, well, that's not good enough. You gave us a refund last year, we're now a quarter of the way through the season, more a quarter of the way through the season, and the Hovney gave us a, a peep about how they're going to make this season ticket worth the £600 value. I have got a link to watch the games, that's fantastic. I'm not going to note that back. But my financial situation could change. Many, many people's right? financial situations reckon, are changing. I reckon there's a lot of financial, there's a lot of households have bought a season ticket this year because it's the 10. Mm-hmm. When it comes to next year, and if Celtic do not do anything to make it worth their while this season, do not give them a refund or whatever they're planning on doing, then the season tickets will drop off a cliff. Because you'll have households go, I, 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 I spent £500 last year and got to two games. The decision uh, comes, uh, is the, taken out of your hands the then. decision out of their hands. Of course it is. It's not worth the money. Because you've basically just, a donation of £600. I mean, Jim Orr says it on Friday as well. He says, you're not going to pay £600 next year to watch the game on the telly, are you? So Celtic as a club um, will be forced to look at a package that doesn't involve a season ticket. And and in doing that, they, they may then harness a much wider audience around the globe, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Everybody around the, the, the world who wants to see Celtic thrive and get through this in a strong position might be offered something that doesn't cost as much as a season ticket. And because you're widening the net, then the cost per person or per head um, or per unit, as business people call it, would come down. So you could, you could actually end up making more money that way. But that package would need to be value for money. We know that people, let's, for example, look at alternative media sources who uh, charge a Patreon uh, fee, monthly subscription. So over a year, what are you paying? 100 quid, 150 quid? I don't know. I don't, I don't subscribe. But something like that, right? Uh, would you pay that direct to the club if you were getting brilliant daily regular content? 100%. Of course I would. Access to the club, access to the archives, access to all these things on a daily basis where there's an app that takes you to breaking news, all that kind of stuff, a package that if we can't get to the games, you're going to get every game live, all, the, all these different things. A, a big criticism, obviously, of the the, uh, the English games getting sold on a PPV basis. We've seen a wee bit of that this season. St. John, uh, sorry, St. Mirren TV, Ross County TV. On top of that, you've got Sky Sports, BT Sports, Premier Sports, and any Celtic virtual season ticket. So something that, you know, Per person, Kevin, would cost you a lot less, but you're going to sell far more of these packages. What would you call that? Are you an investor? I mean, I don't know. Are you a backer? Um, because the reason it started, my, my mind thinking in those lines, is a great email I got last week. I showed you it, didn't I? Mm-hmm, that was fantastic. Uh, from Western Australia, where they were looking at um, a club over there who were looking you know, to increase the, increase the membership to 100, no, to 75,000. But actually, they increased the membership to 100,000. So if you can imagine straight away, if you get 100,000 people 
worldwide to sign up to a membership uh, of Celtic, whatever that membership may entail, you pay half of what the season ticket would normally cost you. If you get 200,000 to pay, you know, and it goes on a ratchet, so you could end up paying 100 quid a year if you were able to harness the, the, the global fan base in that way. And you're giving them live games, obviously. I think the, it would work, but then you've got the broadcast deals and the, the legal matters with what you can show and what you can't show at certain times and now with certain times. If that got completely ripped up, which I think the English Premier League are looking to do mm. with, with these pay-per-view games, mm-hmm. what's different for England and, and Scotland is money. Now, there wasn't any, there wasn't any fallout with Ross County or St Murn charging us to watch the game because we know that these wee clubs need the money. And I didn't mean that to sound And in fact, she applauded them for having aye, the foresight aye, to set it up. I didn't mean to sound condescending no. to Ross County and St Murn there. The problem that you've got doing in England, there was a billion pounds worth of transfer fees. Then two days later, the clubs come out and go, by the way, we're struggling here. You need to start paying for your games. Oh. And you go, well, no, that's that's where that problem... And they actually price it £5 less than a pay-per-view boxing. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Jay McKenna... I think it was Jay McKenna, Fay the Spirit of Shankly, was on the Anfield rap. And he says that this pay-per-view is the start of the big games going behind pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So you'll get your game last night, Tottenham against Brighton. You'll get your Southampton's West Ham's. You'll get the little games, but Liverpool, Man United will be 12 quid. Man City, Manchester United, twelve quid. Liverpool, Everton, twelve pound. Exploitation. Cel- Celtic <clears throat> Rangers, twelve pound. Yeah. Behind a paywall, mm-hmm. and this is the start of it. Trying to trickle into the, the consciousness that this is the way it's going to go, and if they try to do that, they'll get they'll, they'll get a shock because the fans will already go. I think they'll kick back against. They will kick back, yep. and I think the the numbers of the PPVs that they've actually had down in England is far lower than what they actually expected. Mm-hmm. You look at the Liverpool game last Saturday night. Liverpool game box office last Saturday night against uh, West Ham. Was it West Ham? I think it was. Or Sheffield United, one of them. Liverpool fans gave ninety three thousand pounds to a local food bank instead of paying Sky fourteen ninety five. Yep. So the fans do not want the pay per view. We pay for our Sky, we pay for our subscriptions. And for us to actually pay for another subscription, it would have to give us something fantastic. Maybe this is where the SPFL TV would come in or, or something like that. Um but I'm really worried about what Celtic will do in the next close season mm-hmm. when all of this plays out. Now, I'm sitting here going, I want a refund and I know it will hurt my club. I know it will mean that somebody will get sold and they will only have money for players because that, that budget's then took away. But sometimes your club's just got to do the right thing. Mm. Do the right thing by you. Right thing by the supporters. And... I know some people sit there going, I never took my refund. I took my refund. I could not not back my refund at the end That's of the season. That's a personal individual choice, Kevin. You know, you don't Is have it? to justify it or otherwise. No, I'm not justifying it. I'm saying I took it. Aye. Because, and... I'm what I'm actually saying is Celtic need to come out now, like Motherwell and other clubs have come out and go, if you didn't get back into a game, this is what's going to happen. And allow you to make the choice. At this precise moment in time. Mm-hmm. These are discussions, Kevin, that as long as it's out in the open, I don't think any football fan has an issue with it, as long as there's a, an engagement 
mm-hmm. with the club. You know, if that engagement continues, then everybody knows where to stand. Aye, now, you know, I'm. They have to. They have to do right by the supporters, who some of them would have put themselves massively into debt to support the club this season. They do. They pro- a lot of people I know do that anyway. You know, uh-huh. to make sure they go to every game. But this season of all seasons, under the circumstances, absolutely spot on. Now, tomorrow, Kevin, we had a wee chat over the weekend, and uh, tomorrow's a big day. It's a big day for someone who sometimes flies under the radar, and he never should. Um, a guy who didn't want to write a book about his career um, for many, many years until he was convinced to do it fairly recently. And it's Charlie Gallagher. Now, Charlie... Um, is 80, 80 years of age tomorrow. And Charlie Gallagher is rightly um, referred to as a Lisbon Lion, having played in uh, some of the rounds leading to the final. Never played in the final, but you look at uh, two pivotal moments, two pivotal moments. And Charlie says to me himself that for many years, he didn't like the fact that his career was almost based on two pivotal moments. But the corner kick that um, resulted in Billy McNeil scoring the headed goal to win Celtic the Scottish Cup in 1965 against Dunfermline in a 3-2 victory. And from the same corner of the, the, the field, if you like, for Celtic against Vojvodina uh, in the, the European run. And what was, according to many of the Lisbon Lions, the toughest game they played all season it against Vojvodina. And what I loved, actually, somebody mentioned during the week there about, you know, uh, one of the ball boys... And it's happened a couple of times, you know, a ball boy celebrating and he gets captured on an image and he, he goes on to play for Celtic. But I think Aidan McGeady, David Marshall, Callum McGregor, they've all been na- uh, mentioned. But the one that I always go back to is the wee guy that runs up and kicks the ball out of the, the net after Billy McNeil scores the winning goal in 1965 is none other than Andy Lynch. And 12 years later, Andy Lynch scores a penalty kick into the same goal to win the Scottish Cup for Celtic against Rangers. And I love how football works like that. It's incredible. But we thought, well, you know, Charlie, lovely gentleman, uh, Celtic icon, really. Um, it's turning 80 tomorrow. So tell our viewers what it is you've done uh, that we'll be able to share with them tomorrow. I've wrote a piece uh, to celebrate the, the moment that probably kick-started the revolution. Uh, so it's called The Kick That Started the Revolution. And it celebrates... Um, that corner kick against Dunfermline in 1965. It's now, when, when we discussed it over the weekend, I went back and had a look at the fantastic Celtic Wiki archive and the Glasgow Herald archive. And there's a picture on the Celtic Wiki, if you go and have a look at it. And it's taken from the main stand and it's you can see Charlie taking the corner kick and you've got the big north enclosure with that perched stand on, on top of it, the perched enclosure, and you can see Billy Rising just putting the ball into the back of the net. Mm. And there was also some footage uh, from the Scottish Pathy News, Scot- Scottish Movie Tone Company, and it was panning round the crowd. So basically I wrote a piece based on a boy that I spied in the crowd mm-hmm. who was wearing his best clothes because it was a cup final day. And I've wrote it from I've written it from his point of view of what happened that day and what happens next in the future. So that guy, whoever he might be, mm-hmm. will probably be in his mid sixties now. Yes, probably. Yeah, 
interesting. I wonder who it is. Um, we will be airing that tomorrow, Kevin. We're going to film it just after this bulletin. We're an hour in. Let's have a wee look at what people are saying. Now, Stephen Forbes has just reminded me of something that completely, I don't know if this is an age thing, I completely forgot. I've got two tickets for Johnny Owen's documentary tonight. I knew that. And I won't be able to go. So if you can use them. Can you use them, Kevin? No. No? If anybody on uh, a Celtic State Mings bulletin can use them, because I'm actually working late tonight. We're doing another broadcast tonight for another podcast in the studio. Stephen Forbes, my dad, Kenny and I followed up the cup win by going to see The Three Kings last night. Johnny Owen's film perfectly captures the very essence and history of three great men. Clubs and cities, highly recommended. Of course, we had Johnny Owen for his second appearance on A Celtic State of Mind just a couple of weeks back, talking about the new documentary, which focuses on the life and times of Bill Shankly, Matt Busby and Jock Steen. It's called The Three Kings. I instantly went out and bought two tickets once they went up for sale. And I've totally forgotten about it until Stephen's mentioned it. So if anybody out there wants them, give me a shout. I'll be able to send you the link because it's all done by email now. So get in touch. It is in Livingston, eh? It's in Livingston, it's yeah. Livingston. It's in Livingston. Thanks for uh, reminding me. So it's in Livingston, Kevin. Two tickets. I've no idea, but I think, <laughs> I think it's seven, but I'm doing a podcast at seven o'clock. So Stephen, thanks for reminding me. Kevin, thanks for reminding me of the details. And if anybody wants the tickets, give me a shout and I'll send them to you. Um, and that that would be excellent if you could maybe come on and let us know. Let us know how how the film goes because I think it would be cracking. Um, hello, PJD says Tyrone Gale. Um, first post, great result yesterday. Hamden Park in the snow, four in a row. Here we go. Uh, there's another poet. He's looking for your job, mate. Um, I'm looking forward to this cup final. I mean, how many have we been together? Uh, two together. Were we at the one the Motherwell? Motherwell? Ah, we were at the Motherwell, Motherwell game together. Um, so it, it's one of these things that you wanted to, you know, look at the each of them and say, well, that's where I was, that's who I was with. It's going to be a wee bit unusual this time round, Kevin. Definitely. I'm going to miss the whole travelling up in the supporters bus. And Did we not do the hospitality against, what was it? Motherwell, we done the hospitality. Ah, that's the only way I could get a ticket that, that year, I think. We'd be done the hospitality and... The, the Celtic team were... Marvin Comper was... Marvin Comper ah, was right. there, aye. Yep. I was going to go up and speak to him, but I bottled it, didn't I bother? Um, <laughs> but the thing is, after that, we were pointing out where we were sitting during the Hamden, the Hamden season. season and aye, we aye. just took a moment eh, to mm-hmm. kind of soak it all in and, and uh, remember harder times, I guess. I, I think, again, that was one of the... When we had the conversation, when we were standing there in the post seats and... Um, having a look over, you pointed to the corner flag down at the... What's the West Terrace? And I was down there. I says, well, I was away up, three lows for the back, and the East Terrace. And, and if somebody would have said to you in nineteen ninety four we were going to be sitting there, then a double treble at that point, after an invincible treble, if somebody had told you that you you, you had won X amount of titles in the row at that point, that you were going to get to a European Cup final. In 1994, you would have went and go away and give some of that stuff like you're buzzing, because... <laughs> you, it seems so far from uh, reality, you know. So far-fetched. Yep. So, and I'm sure, and I, I think I'll get this over in the piece that I'm going to do, I'm sure in 1965 it felt the exact same. Mm-hmm. Well, I've spoken to people like David Potter and Tom Campbell about that. Mm-hmm. How far from reality a, a European Cup win, or a nine in a row 
actually seemed to Celtic fans back then. Mm-hmm. It was all doom and gloom, you know, when you think about how how inconsistent they'd been in the 50s and then how poor they'd been since the League Cup win in 57 right up to 65. So we're living in, in very, very special times, Kevin. Very special times. Unique times. Times that will always be remembered and never repeated. And we've got to remember that. Mm. And we go, we mentioned the 90s often, eh? but the Celtic support had a humour in the 90s. We, we did, we had, a, we had a great sense of humour. And we've still got that on occasion. And if this all goes pear-shaped this season, hopefully it won't. But if we've came out with uh, four trebles in a row, we can't moan about our lot. Well, we will be discussing every single step of the way, Kevin. And probably if someone does want the tickets for the night, I'm thinking of the easiest way to do this because literally hundreds of messages come through in these broadcasts. It might be difficult to, to actually go through them. Just email me and my email address is pauljohndykes at gmail.com. And the first email that drops into that inbox gets the tickets. I think that's the fairest way, Kev. Right, Stephen Forbes goes on to say, Tom Roderick has been watching videos of himself from (laughs) 2016-17. An impressive return to form, but I think the defining moments could be Laxalt signing and the return of Griffiths. Because I've I've suggested that this could be one of the pivotal defining moments of the season, Tom Roderick coming back. Great points, but I've just got the image of Tom sitting in his living room watching videos of himself. I really hope that happens. I, I hope he does that. Do you? Aye. Do you do you watch yourself back on the Axon Bulletin? No. I don't. Now, I don't believe you. Jim Hockey. <laughs> Jim Hockey. Um via YouTube. And by the way, over the weekend, thanks everybody for subscribing because um obviously we're trying to build the channel. It's all free, as we said before. Uh but we smashed through the four thousand subscribers uh figure. Now that doesn't seem a lot, Kevin, but We've only really started on YouTube back in August time. August, aye. Um, Giving regular content out on YouTube. So we're hoping to grow that and get bigger on on YouTube as well. Now, um, we we have got more subscribers than four Scottish Scottish Premiership clubs. So we are growing up and we're climbing the table. Jim says, really agree with the extra content. I always remember the Celtic TV channel back in the day was great. Seeing reserve and youth games. Well, what would need to be uh, part of what we're saying there? What did I call it? Investors, uh, memberships. memberships. So you'd have a membership, and part of that, part of that membership, it wouldn't just be content, Kevin. But part of that membership would be a pass to the content. And I don't know if they would have different levels of content, but you could have daily. I mean, if we can do a, a, an hour or two every day, the club could have, a, you know. I'm not going to say 24-7, but they've got a huge archive, haven't they? They've Uh, they've got youth games, they've got first team games, they've got women's games. I mean, there's loads and loads they could focus on. And they could create something every single day that would maybe span into the six to eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they could. They could, and even shown the development games live, the reserve league games live, under-18 games live as well, eh? It doesn't take that much to set up a wee camera now. You see a lot of the war league clubs... I've used, um, I've set up uh, live live streaming events yeah. for themselves. What, what did they call it? The VO cameras that the, they set uh, up and well, they follow the linesman instead of the ball. Aye, there's been some absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Uh, I was talking to a Sterling Albion fan at the week, uh, on Friday there and she says that uh, they were watching watching a, a recent Sterling Albion game and it followed a Chris Poke. Really? Aye. It was probably better, to be <laughs> fair. Uh, what was it? Knickknacks? 
don't know. Don't now, uh, Marcius Talia, I, I struggle with some of these names. I'm apologising in advance if I got that wrong. Sorry, Marcius. You're commenting on YouTube. The club could do themselves a favour by looking at Axom and see the content that's been provided. Now, thanks very much for that comment. Uh, we do, I, I think this season, what we looked at, Kevin, is let's get content out daily. Uh, multiple times if possible particularly on a match day we're looking at other things we're looking at some of the uh, the big platforms down south and what they're doing Kevin and we're not going to nick their ideas but we're certainly looking at what other clubs uh, media content providers are doing and we're, we're looking, looking to with, expand it we're looking out with football as well ah, we're absolutely we're looking to see what other media companies because that's what we are we're no a, we're state of mind and we've got other we've got other arms and legs and a Celtic state of mind's just part of that. Uh, so. It was due to a Celtic state of mind that we were able to create something and and build it as well, Kevin. But and, and a Celtic state of mind's audience is is massive, uh, is growing, um, and we don't do anything uh, despite what some people might think. We don't do anything to to um, you know speculate on that in terms of sensationalism Kevin make make comments just for, for views uh, we're hoping that it's a gradual process of building an audience uh, but you look at things like you know Sky Sports News you know it's a bulletin and it continues and it's on a loop and then some more news, news comes in and they add that in you could have you could actually have a 24 hour channel Kevin you could if, if you had the staff you know, um, and you know they, they've got the equipment certainly to do that. They've got the content to do it. The club, uh, would you buy that? I would. I would if I wasn't getting to a game and I knew I was going to get the games as well as all the behind the scenes stuff and the archive stuff. I would buy the pass, hundred percent. Of course you would, but you would tough to. It would tough to be decent content. It would tough to be well made content. And but they've got the access that none of us can have. I mean, we're fan media. Um, we haven't got access to the club whatsoever. So they've got all that access to player access. I'm sure there's probably legal reasons why they can't do a lot of the stuff that you want them to do. Or they'll make up legal reasons why they can't do a lot of the stuff that we want them to do because mm-hmm. they just haven't got the staff. I mean, we could sit here and do free broadcasts a day. We could do one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at night. And we probably uh, will end up doing that. Um, if we had enough different presenters, so you wouldn't, so you'd know they know the presenting all the time as I, well. I know because you get bored of looking at me, Kev. No, Is that no, what you're I getting at, sir? The, the viewer's choice, man. <laughs> the viewer's choice. Ah, oh, dear. Right <laughs> now, Robert Highland, PJ would turn Celtic Park into a, uh, into a music venue. Now, listen, that's not a bad shout because I, my first gig I ever went to was at Celtic Park. I went to see you two nineteen. 93, um, and they were supported by Stereo MCs and Utah Saints. And it was a tremendous venue for live music. It really was. And I know going back, Prince played at Celtic Park, as did The Who. Who else? There were others. People will be in the know that's watching it. There were others that played there. Shakespeare's sister, but they supported Prince, didn't they? They supported Prince. Um, ah, but they're the ones that are can remember, I can't remember the Who playing there, but I've seen the tickets and I've seen the posters. But um, I did suggest that uh, to the foundation, I think. Um, they should have, you know how they have the, the annual game, generally, and it's Lubos Legends and Henrik's Heroes and all that stuff, and it's a big game, and interest in that was high, but then it kind of dipped a wee bit, didn't it? When you um, have too many of them, 
So maybe yes. have one one of the games a year, and then on an alternate year have a gig, and the gig could be all the Celtic minded bands. So we'll have Primal Scream maybe headlining it. You could have a compare Frankie Boyle as a compare, and just have all the Celtic bands. You know, Paul Natini, Louis Capaldi, Glass Vegas, Jerry Cinnamon. Who else is on the bill, Kev? Primal Scream. Simple Minds. Simple. You could have that. Oh, brilliant. There you go. So have that for a for a festival, foundation festival. Would that work? Would that get sixty thousand in? I'd go. Women, children. I think so. I. Wins. I don't. I think you would need to. It'd tough to be mere like the capital big time ball. Where if you put Lewis Capaldi on, you're going to get the audience. Capaldi and Cinnamon on the same and Paul Natini. Come on, it's you'd sell it mix, out. Eh? You'd sell it out. Absolutely. No many folk would let off flares to Lewis Capaldi. And then the final act being Primal Scream, I reckon. Ah, the place would be empty. We need to get Aslan in as well, uh, we Christy. The, the place would be empty by the time the Primal Scheme came on. Would, the Celt- would Celtic allow the Wolfstones back in? Uh, the Wolfstones won't. Well, Tom in. Grant's not on the, the board any longer, so I don't think he'd be allowed in. <laughs> <laughs> you see that picture? <laughs> Brilliant. James Lafferty. It's, it's a terrible video that, I know. They, made, that they made. Ah, yeah. Absolutely shocking video. Ah, you know. But there's pictures surfaced, obviously. Yes, of, Tom aye. Grant. Aye. James Lafferty, a Netflix deal on every game that is not on Sky would be amazing. Uh, you know, you look at Netflix, Amazon Prime, the, the way that people watch TV has changed so much. Kevin, I've made a big deal of um, the old, uh, what do you call it, Peaky Blinders, because I didn't watch telly for about seven years, maybe longer. And I, I, I seriously didn't watch TV. Um, and I've said this to you before, I'm not one of these guys, Kevin, that watches football every night of the week. If Celtic aren't playing, I don't watch it. Mm-hmm. And people think that's bizarre. I don't watch the English football or any other football. Uh, while I'm in here, I watch the Sky Sports News for breaking news all day. Um, but I think people are now getting their, their TV fix, their entertainment fix on tablets and on you know smart TVs and it's all through... Netflix and Prime and all these different avenues, is it not? I, I do think that the, the English League are trying to break the monopoly that you can't show games live at three o'clock. I think there will be a change in European football where that happens and it'll be what a uh, Sue sort of says it, if that is Sue. I think it is. It that's is. on the James Lafferty. Right? It is, yes, it is um, James. So that will happen and it will be UEFA backed, I reckon. Because I think the, this, this whole... When live football started in the 50s and 60s, they were going, oh, it was stop guys going to the game. If you're going to watch Peter Heed against Stirling Albion, you're going to watch Peter Heed against Stirling Albion, you're not going to pay nine quid to watch Real Madrid against Racing Santander. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that. That's not going to happen anymore. If you're going to the game, you're going to go to the game. So I don't think this, as you say, times are changing. If you had every game available on pay-per-view, then I think it would be a good thing for the clubs, a money earner for the clubs, money earner for leagues as well. When we spoke about the St Pauli season ticket at 40 quid, Celtic could have that for Australian, Canadians, Americans, anybody in the the diaspora all all over the world. But I do believe that this pay-per-view is the first first chance of this. This is the first example of this being tried, definitely. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, there's there's a lot of talk coming in in relation to uh, refunds, and but what we're trying to look at, Kevin, is next season. We're looking at next season. And what would they invariably happen is, if, for example, you were able to widen that net 
And it's not just a Celtic TV subscription I'm talking about here. It's it's creating a platform that's given access and engagement uh, to to football fans worldwide, to Celtic fans, um, for a fee that wouldn't be anywhere near what you would pay for a season ticket. And what you would end up having, you know, this was would be the business plan, is you would have more subscribers than obviously season ticket holders who'd be paying less, but over the piece you would be making more profit. And I, th- I just think that, you know, after the event, once it gets back to some form of normality where 54,000 people are allowed to buy a season ticket at Celtic Park and go to the games, you would have all these people worldwide that you've reached out to and engaged with who could continue on a different level entirely. I know, I know. It's something that the club, that you would hope the club were looking at. Um, because for me, the, the I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but they never really seem proactive at stuff like this. And the amount of times that we waited on the refund and how they made it so difficult to get a refund. I mean... They've been fantastic this year. They're fantastic at getting you to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must admit, though, um, I did buy one of the Adidas polo shirts and I'm, I'm a bit disappointed with the quality. Um, with the way the badge. The badge is like just a sticky-on badge. And uh, uh, I, w- I was very disappointed with, with the quality, truthfully. But they're great at us spending money. The free tops this year have been absolutely fantastic. But next year's different. Next year is completely different. Next season is completely different for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Financially, is a different. Celtic need to have a look at that. They've got to have a look at not just for worldwide, but for their for their British and Irish based, Scottish, Irish and English based fans as well. They've got to have a look at people who have invested money that they maybe couldn't afford this season for a product that they're not going to see. Or we've already missed a quarter of the season. They've got to look at how to give us that quarter of a season back. Mm-hmm. They've got to have a look at that. And if it hits them in the pocket, yes, that is going to make it difficult for certain budget and reasons. But sometimes you've just got to do something because it's the right thing to do by your support. Mm, absolutely. Now, Kevin, we've uh, spoken about a, a range of subjects today. And... Um, it was just unfortunate that we couldn't get more of the, the fans' perspectives in today. But what they did alert me to was some unruly uh, fans coming in and making comments of uh, an offensive nature. So I've had to go on a wee blocking speed there. So thank you again for bringing that to our attention. We're trying to monitor that live and also after the event as well. And eventually we will block them all. Uh, I mean, why would you come in and watch a Celtic podcast if you support... Rangers, I, d- I don't understand it Kevin I really don't get that, but they do, uh, so therefore the block button has been used, now a wee reminder for everybody, I will be premiering Kevin's brand new poem on Charlie Gallagher tomorrow uh, to celebrate Charlie's 80th birthday, uh, God bless him and also, uh, there's two tickets to the showing one of the very few showings of Three Kings, it's in Livingston tonight I'll check the time uh, but if you want them, email me Dykes at gmail.com first email that drops in at my inbox I will forward you the tickets um, via email and you can go and enjoy that and let us know how you get on uh, on the podcast at some point this week so all that's left for me to say is thank you all for getting involved and once again thanks for joining me Kevin Graham on A Celtic State of Mind See you later lads
message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.